So, uh, you know, if you've been here when we were teaching, of course, as Pastor Andy uh, said, we were at a wedding. Uh, my uh, brother Tony, who pastors in North Carolina, uh, pastors a church there. Uh, one of his sons was married, and that was the last son to be married. Praise the Lord. So they're all married. And uh, the church is doing well. I will report to you. The church is doing well, and thank God Marcus is married. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he's doing well. And uh, so we're teaching on the subject of righteousness, and uh, we're going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Uh, we have looked at this uh, the last uh, Sunday that we taught this. Uh, we've looked at this passage in the King James Version. So I'm going to look at it a little differently today. I'm going to look at it in the Amplified Version. And we'll not take the time to rehearse uh, the King James Version. Uh, I'm going to share with you also uh, definitions of the word righteousness uh, so that you have an understanding of the meaning of what righteousness is. And so I'll give you definitions. The first definition of the word righteousness in the New Testament uh, is W.E. Vine's uh, definition. It says, The man who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. The man who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. He references uh, in this particular past, uh, definition, he references 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for he hath made him, God hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. So God made Jesus to be sin in our place for us, meaning that he is our substitute. So Jesus Christ, for God so what loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So God so what loved the world. So out of his great love for humanity and for their redemption, he sent his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. And Jesus was made to be sin. Jesus became sin for us. Again, he is our substitute, meaning that he took our place he went to the cross and suffered and endured the sufferings that we would have or should have suffered. But God in his grace and in his mercy toward us and in his love for us has sent his son Jesus to die for us or in our place as our substitute. Now he was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So when we get in him, we become the righteousness of God in Christ. Uh, the phrase in Christ, uh, meaning that you are in union with Christ, you are one with Christ, you are joined to Christ, 
uh, different ways of saying it. You're engrafted into Christ, according to the Amplified Bible. So you have been grafted into Christ. You have been placed into union with Christ. Well, we could use or utilize the passage of John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Well, so we can do nothing to glorify God or can do nothing to make ourselves righteous. We can do nothing to achieve this right standing with God. There's no way we can do that on our own. We cannot do it by our own merit, our own efforts, our own works, our own goodness. No matter what that may be. And certainly can't uh, do it because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus took our place, suffered in our place, was made to be sinned, so he connected with what we were. He was made to be sinned. He became one with what you were. God identified you with Christ. So Jesus became one with your sin. He was made to be sin for us. Then you became one in Christ. When you get in Christ, you become one with what he is. What he became in his redemptive work, he became righteous for you in your stead. By taking your place, you have now become the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God, meaning the kind of righteousness that God has. Or the righteousness of God would be the righteousness that God is. So it's not a separate righteousness, a lower grade of righteousness. It is the same righteousness that God is. That you have become how? Because you got in Christ. And the way you got in Christ is that you were born again. Or you were saved. Different terminologies used in the scripture. You must be born again. John chapter 3, right? Must be born again, meaning your spirit must be reborn. Reborn means that you are refathered. Birth comes by what? Somebody gives birth to you. And so God became your father. And uh, you have been refathered by God. So you're no longer under Satan's jurisdiction and fathered by Satan, but you are fathered by God. God became your very own father. And so God being your father, hallelujah, this is the love of God. You see the love of God in Christ. You see the love of God by seeing what God did for you in the person of his son sacrificing his own son to make you one with himself. So you have become one with Christ through the new birth or through being saved. You have received this union with Christ. You've been engrafted into Christ or you've been made one with Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. 
says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You've been joined unto the Lord. Your spirit has been joined to Christ. You became one with Christ. You became engrafted into Christ. Once you're engrafted into Christ, then the life that is in the vine flows in the branch. So the life that is in Christ flows into you. The life that is in Christ came from him to you. But it's a oneness with Christ. And the life of God is what makes you one with Christ. He that believes on the Son hath everlasting life. So when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive eternal life. So when you come into Christ or you get eternal life, that is the proof that you're born again. The new birth has taken place. You've been engrafted into him. You have received the life. In other words, if you put, try to graft uh, a branch into a vine and the graft doesn't take, then it's not going to be alive. In other words, if it doesn't draw on the sap that is in the, in the vine, then it's not going to be alive and eventually it's going to fall, right? But when you got in Christ, the graft took. Hallelujah. And the life of Jesus, the life of the vine flowed into the branch and you became one with Christ. So you are in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. So everything on the inside in your spirit is new. You are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. All right, so let's uh, look at this definition again. He says, the man who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. The man who trusts in Christ or puts his faith in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. He becomes in Christ all that God requires a man to be. He becomes in Christ all that God requires a man to be. But then he says, and all that he could never be in himself. So self-effort. And this is a, a pretty important point because all of us have done it. All of us have tried to be right. Have worked many times diligently. And uh, maybe served diligently somehow to achieve this sense of right standing with God. And so the devil gets us in this trap of trying to be something that God has already made us to be. And so then our confidence in God and in ourselves is robbed because we're trying to be something that we could never be in ourselves. We're trying to become something that we could never become by our own efforts or our own achievement. For example, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship. We are God's workmanship. 
We are his workmanship created where? In Christ. Created in Christ. So God's workmanship created in Christ. Part of that workmanship that he created in Christ was righteousness. It's eternal life. It's joy. It's peace. It's a lot of things. It's a new nature. And so that in itself we could elaborate on, but listen to the phrase. We are his workmanship created in Christ, in Christ Jesus, unto good works. Which God has before ordained that we should walk therein. So good works are something that come out of who you are who you have already been made, who God created you to be. God created you to be a new creation in Christ. God created you to be the righteousness of God. God created you uh, as a, a holy person in Christ. And that you put on, Ephesians 4.24, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So then trying to be holy without acknowledging he is holy and he's living in you and there is a new holy nature living on the inside of you. There is something in you that enables you to live a holy life. Now, there's a challenge uh, of, of your behavior, of course, in this world and, and your flesh and your mind, your natural mind and the devil and, and the influences. Yes, they try to challenge you to do things that are contrary to what is holy and what is righteous, but there's something in you that can uh, stand against that. There's righteousness on the inside that enables you to stand against what is trying to lure you to the outside, lure you into uh, the flesh, or lure you into this world's way of looking at things, or uh, this world's way of doing things, and God is speaking up on the inside. There's something greater on the inside. You are of God, little children, and what? Have overcome them because why? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So therefore, there is something inside of you that is greater than what's outside of you. There's something in you greater than your flesh. There's something in you greater than your natural mind. But if you allow your natural mind to dominate you or this world to dominate your natural mind or dominate your flesh, then your flesh could win that fight. But thank God, there's something on the inside that enables you to overcome what's luring you to the outside or enable you to overcome your the world, the flesh, and the devil. Praise God. So greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So God's living on the inside. Christ is living on the inside. The Holy Spirit is living on the inside. The life of God is living on the inside. Righteousness is living on the inside. Righteousness is a nature that can dominate from the inside and dominate your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and dominate your your flesh and so you win the fight 
You win the fight that Christ has already won. I said you win the fight that Christ has already won. Jesus has already won the battle. Jesus has already won the fight. The fight was in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was raised from the dead, and he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in himself. So Jesus won the fight. And if you're fighting this fight, you got to fight from the Spirit. you got to fight from where God has already won the battle. you got to fight from Jesus. you got to fight with Jesus in the sense of he's with you, he's in you, he's for you, he's greater on the inside than what's on the outside. So greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You are of God and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Meaning that there is no one that can stand against what's on the inside of you. If you let what's on the inside rise up, greater is he that is in you. He's already risen. He's already victorious. He's already the champion. He's already the more than a conqueror. He's already, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. What? Through him. Through him. It's not in your own energy. It's not in your own strength. It's not in your own ability. It's not in your own self. It is in Him. Praise God. It is through Him. It is in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, with Christ. It is all through and by Him. So greater is He. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're still working on definitions. He becomes in Christ all that God requires a man to be and all that he could never be in himself. Praise God forever. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his loving kindness. Thank God for his tender mercies. Thank God for his mercy on us when we're, we're struggling and struggling and struggling and finally we see, oh, it's God, it's Christ in me, hallelujah. It's not me in myself, it's Christ in me. It's Christ in me that makes me more than a conqueror. It's Christ in me that makes me an overcomer. It's Christ in me that makes me victorious. It's Christ in me that gives me joy when I'm down. It's Christ in me, hallelujah, when I'm lost, I I'm found. Hallelujah. It's Christ in me. When I'm bound, I'm free. Hallelujah. You understand, when you're fighting in this world that we live in, thank God there's something greater on the inside that liberates your spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. And your life to do the will of God. So Bullinger, Bullinger says this about righteousness. It's a right state of which God is the standard. So God in his 
righteous being has a standard. But he not only has a standard, righteousness is a right state of which he is the standard. He doesn't just have one, he is one. It's a right state of which God is the standard. So God himself is the standard of this righteousness. So in the natural, we cannot hardly conceive. We cannot conceive God's the standard of this righteousness. God himself is the pattern. And the only way he could get it to us was get it through Jesus. And in order for him to make us righteous, Jesus had to become our sin. So this was not an easy task. So Jesus had to become our sin so that we could become God's righteousness. And this righteousness is a right state or right condition or righteousness of which God is a standard. In other words, it's God's righteousness. So there's nowhere pride could be. In other words, there's nothing you did. The only thing you did is believed and received. So this is God's righteousness. This is beyond human ability. This is beyond human achievement. C.I. Schofield says it this way. Defines righteousness. The righteousness of God is all that God demands and approves. Meaning he demands no less or no more. It's all that God demands and approves. So God doesn't demand any more of you to become righteous. We're all still learning this. He demands no more. And he approves no less. So since you couldn't do it on your own, he demanded it And he made it happen in Christ, and he approved of what Jesus did. And Jesus was declared righteous. And when he was declared righteous, legally, you were declared righteous. So the righteousness of God is all that God demands and approves and is ultimately found in Christ himself. So the point is, the only way you're going to find this is in Christ himself. 
You're not going to find it somewhere else. With all of human searching for righteousness or feeling right, only place is found in Christ himself. Who fully met in our stead every requirement of the law. Who fully met in our stead or in our place or as our substitute. Every requirement of the law. So Jesus met every requirement. Hallelujah. He fulfilled the law. He didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. But man couldn't fulfill it. Because we all missed it. If you miss it in one point... You're guilty of the whole thing. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we all missed it. And we missed it in more than one point. But God. Jesus came and fulfilled the law. Hallelujah. He paid the full penalty for all of the brokenness. All of the breaking of the law, of every man's breaking the law, every man, every woman, every person, everyone's failure to meet up, everyone's failure to do what the law required. Hallelujah to Jesus. He he fulfilled it. And he paid the penalty. And the price has been paid. Hallelujah. Fully met in our stead every requirement of the law. Then he says, through imputation, Christ is made unto us righteousness. Through imputation. Imputation means to count. Impute, you count. In other words, through counting you righteous. And he references 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30 says, but of him, but of him are you in Christ. But of God are you in Christ. Now, every phrase in scripture matters. But sometimes we use a lot of different translations, but sometimes we don't clarify by doing so. It's true. Sometimes we muddy the water. So it's good to use other translations, and I do. But be careful that you don't destroy the point. Your, your goal is to make the point clearer. Or to maybe illustrate the point because it's more a little more wordy. Say again, 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him, of God, are you in Christ. So God puts you in Christ. But of God are you in Christ, who of God, speaking of Christ, but 
who of God is made unto us. Made unto us. Four things. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Our subject is righteousness. So Jesus is made unto us righteousness. It's very similar to 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 5, verse 17, or verse 21, excuse me. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He hath made him to be sin for us that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in him. So he says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. So God made Jesus unto us. In, through imputation, he counted us the righteousness that Jesus achieved. So whatever Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection, and whatever he was made, you become through the resurrection. So you become the righteousness of God in him. Because Jesus paid the full price or penalty. Then E.W. Kenyon, again, these are definitions the way these people saw it. E.W. Kenyon said, righteousness gives us the ability to stand in the presence of the Father God without the sense of sin, guilt, condemnation, or inferiority complex. Righteousness gives us the ability to stand in the presence of the Father God, hallelujah, without the sense of sin, guilt, condemnation, or inferiority complex. And all of us have dealt with sin consciousness, everybody in the room. I got two hands up. Everybody in the room has dealt with sin consciousness, this inferiority or feeling less than or feeling that you don't measure up or you don't meet the standard at some point or another. And throughout our life, that's one of the things that we have to resist. That's one of the things that we trust God's word will change in our thinking. So the ability to stand in the presence of the Father God without the sense of sin, guilt, condemnation, or inferiority complex. So I'm going to finally get to 2 Corinthians. In the Amplified Bible, and we'll go as far as we can go. In the Amplified Bible, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ... Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether, a complete new creature, and I added that point, a new creature altogether. So you are a brand new creation, a new creature altogether. So what happened in your spirit when you were Saved, or when you were born again, you became a new creature in your spirit. You became a new creation. Hallelujah. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. You became a new creation altogether, completely new. 
Now, this is not rebuilding the old. This is not taking an old car and fixing it up. This is actually a completely new person. This is not a, you know, sewing a few patches on. This is a completely new creation. This is not just trying to upgrade a little bit what you were. This is a completely new creation. Hallelujah to Jesus. And so, if you are a completely new creation in Christ, hallelujah, then the rest of the scripture makes sense. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. So what you were spiritually before is gone. Then he says, behold, the fresh and new has come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it is a rebirth of your inner man, your spirit. So your spirit didn't become non-existent. Your spirit was reborn. Your spirit was recreated. And the old nature that you used to have on the inside was gone. Passed away. Is removed. And a new nature, a new creation came into being. So what you are now is completely different from what you were. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You didn't just get a facelift. You didn't just get a makeup or a new hairdo or no, you became new. You became new in Christ. So you are a fresh new creation created by God. In the person of Christ Jesus. And it's patterned after God. Put on the new man which after God is created. Or in the likeness of God is created. In the image of God is created. So then your new man is patterned after God. After Christ. Thank you Jesus. Verse 18. But all things are from God. A fresh and new has come, and all things are from God. So everything that came into your spirit was from God. Everything that was new on the inside came from God, who through Jesus Christ. How did he do it? Through Christ. Who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself. So through Jesus, he reconciled us to himself and reconciled, he, it's amplified, and the Amplified Bible does what it says, it amplifies. So it adds words to help you to understand more 
what is being communicated. So he says, through Jesus Christ, reconciled to himself or to God, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself. So God has now received us into favor with himself or into harmony with God or other uh, translations would say or definitions would point out that you became a friend of God. God reconciled you to a place of favor, of friendship, of harmony with God. So he created you in Christ so that you would be his friend. No longer his enemy, but now his friend. No longer in disharmony with God. No longer out of favor with God, but in the favor of God. And in harmony with God, you would become his friend. So you have become born again, so God's your father. God is your father, but he's also your friend. And at the same time, he is God. So he's to be reverenced as God for who he is. But recognize at the same time, he's your father. Hallelujah. And he's your friend. So God is your, he is God, the almighty God, the eternal God, and he's your father. And he's your friend. And you have favor with God. So it's good to have favor with God. It's good to have this friendship relationship with God because you understand your favor. Hallelujah. And we're all still in the process of seeing that, understanding that, and walking in the light of it. Thank you, Jesus. So the end of it, he says, that by word and deed you might aim to bring others into harmony with God. That by word and deed you may aim to bring others into harmony with God. So then, for God so loved the world that he gave. But he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever could believe or would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and read this verse. Verse 19. For it was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Reconciling and restoring the world, the whole world. This would be from Adam to the last man. In other words, redemption reaches all the way back to Adam. And it reaches forward to whoever would be born. It covers every human being. 
God was personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. So he wasn't counting up your trespasses to hold them against you. He counted up your trespasses. God did count. God did keep up with it in the sense of sin is what destroyed humanity. So he kept up with it. He counted it, but he counted it so he could cancel all of it. Not counting up for the purpose of holding it against you, but considering it, counting it, so that he could then count you righteous. Hallelujah. Because he was canceling man's sin debt. And so God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to die in our place. And Jesus suffered the penalty in its fullness. The fullness of the penalty of all of man's sin past, present, and future. And he took it at one time in history. And he was made to be sin for all of humanity. And it covered all of humanity's penalty so that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Salvation would come as a free gift. Eternal life would come as a free gift. And man would be saved. You would be saved. So this is a picture of God's love for humanity. He gave his best. He gave his son. He gave his life. Jesus gave his life. Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life in your place so that you could receive God's grace and you could receive the eternal life that God offers to whosoever will. Let him come and take of the waters of life freely. Freely as a free gift. It is God's eternal life. It is God's gift to humanity. It is God reaching out to man, but not just reaching out to man, becoming what man was. He reached so deep that he took all of man's sin into the person of Christ. He reached so far that he took all of man's sin into the person of Christ. He reached out to humanity. God, one translation said, God was in Christ hugging the world to himself. God was in Christ hugging the world. He was taking in the world, the whole world. So that means your neighbor. That means your coworker. That means anybody that you meet on the street. That means anybody in this world that you'll never meet. Thank God somebody can meet them and will meet them. And the gospel of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed. And Jesus will give them life just like he gave you life by a free gift, an offer of eternal life. Come to whosoever will. Let him come and take of the waters of life freely. It is God's free gift that comes to humanity. Comes to all 
all mankind, all of humanity, every person, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever will believe in their heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And when they say, Jesus is Lord, they're acknowledging that he is not only Jesus that sat in heaven before the death, burial, and and resurrection, but they're acknowledging Jesus who sat in heaven became a man. He came in the flesh. He got in a body. He lived a real life. He suffered in the flesh. And he also gave his life on the cross and he suffered in his body and suffered in his soul and suffered in his spirit and became everything that humanity was so that we could become everything that God wanted us to be. We could be reconciled to God. God could hug us to himself. God could bring us into himself. God could make us one with himself. God could make us one with Christ and we could be saved, born again, receive eternal life and become a new creation in Christ and be made the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you have become what God wanted a man to be. Hallelujah. And everything you could never be in yourself, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Can somebody shout it? Jesus is Lord. One more time. Jesus is Lord. One more time. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Somehow I think we ought to just stand up for a minute here and just just start praising God. Just thank God for his goodness. I mean really, I don't I don't mean just this is I mean really just go ahead and praise God. Praise God. Just praise the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Just thank God for his goodness today. Thank God for his grace on our life today. Thank God he has delivered us and brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thank God he's given us life today. We are his. We belong to him. We are children of God. God is our very own father. We ought to praise God for his goodness and mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there was ever a thanksgiving, you ought to thank God. It's one right now. Hallelujah. It's a time to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord for he is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for your (laughs) mercy. Thank you for your amazing grace, Father. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 One more shout, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got to say it again. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 